jinkies. Oh, what's that gross book made out of skin? It's not a book. It's a tome made out of skin. Ew. What's it say? Behold the collected apocrypha of Stacy Ponder, the writer for Final Girl. And Anthony Hudson, the programmer for Queer Horror. And together they are... Oh my god! Don't read it out loud! Don't read it out Good evening. Or good other time. Good. It could be morning. It could be Stacey. a morning uh, or an afternoon. Whatever. I don't care. Who are you to judge the podcast listening time? How am I judging? Well, all right. What? <laughs> Admissions come out. Clearly, we have not recovered mentally or physically from our episode last week, uh, where, if you didn't know, we talked about Suspiria again. Yes, again. Our fourth episode about Suspiria. And let me tell you something right now. It's not going to be the last. So, Not by a long shot. Oh, here come. There's some sunglasses coming down from the ceiling. Deal (laughs) with it. (laughs) i'm a living gift bitch uh yeah where we talked about suspiria with screenwriter david kajanik and director lika guadagnino no big no big deal a pack of goddamn gay angels gay angels that blessed we were touched by them yeah just like roma roma downey and della reese roma downey jr (laughs) get it roma downey jr (laughs) There's one person out there who gets that. (laughs) Anyway. uh, But this week, you know, there's still civil... Civil unrest seems too mild of a term for it and too, like, not to the point, I guess. There's still protests happening, as there should be. Um, You know, we're still in a pandemic. And so Anthony and I have been trying to figure out ways that we can continue to do our show and feel good about it. You know, post an episode about some dumb movie and feel okay about taking up the space. And so today, well, yeah, when you're listening today, I suppose. uh, (laughs) To now now. To now now. (laughs) um, uh, Marks the beginning of the three-inning. The (laughs) three-inning. Echo. Echo, echo, echo. Echo, echo, echo. Thunder crack. <laughs> um, yeah, we're going to be doing an episode every single day this week. Monday. Hot God Monday, through su- Monday through Sunday. An episode every day. It's called The Three Inning because every day we're going to be looking at the third film in a horror movie franchise. <sighs> and I'm so excited. I'm really excited about it, about some of these entries. Because uh, you think you know what we're going to talk about, but you might not. There's there's some uh, there's some surprises. <laughs> there's some really good movies. There's some really good movies. There's some really not movies. Like we went through the list. <laughs> Definitely really not movies. <laughs> we went through the list and, you know, we'd be like, well, maybe we should do the fourth part in a franchise or maybe the fifth part. And then it turns out most of those are terrible. Yeah. 
But there are some really interesting threes happening throughout horror franchise history. Threes are uh, can be really, really good, or they can really be the turning point where the franchise just crashes and burns. And those are the ones I'm most excited yeah, of for course. right now. Of course. I mean, we are rumple stiltskinning ourselves. Absolutely. With, <laughs> with several of these selections. Absolutely. But full clockwork orange, <laughs> I forceps. Yeah, this is gonna be quite a week because we're recording and editing and all that an episode every day. So by the end of it, I mean who will survive and what will be left of them. <laughs> and we are doing this all as a Jerry Lewis telethon pledge drive. Yes. Very This exciting. is so because I think what like you said. Uh, we don't want to just take up space. We want to take up space for the right reasons, and that means a fundraising thermometer. <laughs> so yeah. we are going to be doing our best Del Rubio triplets uh, uh, routine <laughs> it, while we watch these movies and talk about them for you. And then we also are going to be simultaneously doing all of this, all three inning, uh, as a fundraiser for the National Black Justice Coalition. Um, and just to give you a little background on them, um, the National Black Justice Coalition is a civil rights organization focused on empowering black LGBTQ and SGL, aka same gender loving people. Its mission is to end racism, homophobia, and LGBTQ slash SGL bias and stigma. They bridge the gap between the movements for racial justice and LGBTQ slash SGL equality. And you can learn more about the National Black Justice Coalition at nbjc.org. Um, and then we have this fundraiser all set up through Mighty Cause. So you can actually donate at www.mightycause.com slash story slash 7VG1G. J G. <laughs> However, because those are some letters and numbers, you can link uh, to all of this through our social media. We have it on our Instagram bio. Um, it's on our Twitter. We'll have it posted on Facebook. Um, so listen along and donate if you can. Donate if you can. You don't have to donate to be hearing this right now, obviously. Uh, no, we're not gonna. We're not gonna cancel you. Yeah, but uh, all week long, we're hoping to raise some money for them. So. Uh, donate if you can. Please spread the word. Uh, it's appreciated. It is, and we're we are hoping to get more than a Jason Blum fifty for once. Um, yeah. <laughs> obviously, fifty dollars is enough to fund Grammy, but not enough <laughs> to fund um, something that really matters, which is the fight for Black lives and especially Black queer and trans lives. Um, so, so we actually have this goal set for just our starting goal is a thousand dollars. I think we can make that. I would love to see us succeed that. Uh, and we have till the 28th yeah. of June to make that happen. Yeah. So the fundraiser is live. Yes, it's live now. Go on there, donate if you can, and if you can't, share it. Yeah. And you can find the fundraiser also on the nbjc.org website. If you just click on donate, it will take, yes. you can either donate directly or there's a page with all the different fundraisers on it, and you can find our fundraiser on there. And we're you will find it. <laughs> You'll definitely find it based on the picture that we chose. Yeah, because it's just briefcase woman three times. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we don't <laughs> we definitely stand out. Uh, yeah. So there's the serious ones, <laughs> and then there's the Gaylords of Darkness, of course. 
The three inning. The three inning. <laughs> I'm really excited about the three inning. Um, I am super excited about the movie we're going to talk about today because me too. I, I truly, truly love this movie. It it is such such so a good much? time. Such fun. It's so such joy. Much fun. I was really excited. I really. I pushed Anthony. I had to put. I had to push and fight every step of the way. But I was it's like, true. I really want to kick it off with Friday, and I wanted to kick it off with Friday Thirteenth Part Three because I just wanted to watch Friday the Thirteenth Part Three. Mm-hmm. It because it, it's perfect. Because it's perfect next to two. It like, and I I don't mean next to in terms of like one is ranked over the other. I mean they are side by side. My favorites in the franchise. Five is another Same. favorite, but that's like. Well, you just love Roy's picture of himself. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's like I I love it, and I also feel bad for it. You know what I mean? So, um, <laughs> but man, part three is, it's such a it, like it, awesome. It's just it's just awesome. I mean, it's the film where Jason gets his iconic mask. Yeah. Um. It's. It was meant to be seen in three dimensions. Because it's Friday the 13th, part 3, 3D. Exactly. So lots of things pop out at you. Which... <laughs> like <laughs> snakes on string. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, that's just my Saturday night. You know what I mean? <laughs> things popping out at me everywhere I go. <laughs> But it's fun to see all of the telegraphed 3D moments in the movie. Oh, um, my God. Ooh, is the yo-yo close enough oh to your God, face? It's, it's shooting popcorn at Ooh, me. popcorn and apples. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, man, what a great film. Well, one, it does what I love. In just off the get go, I love in any franchise sequel when we get the previously on Friday the Thirteenth, and then <laughs> the first thing you see is Amy Steele. I mean, and I say she's in this movie. I love her. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Okay, uh, it Friday the Thirteenth Part Two ends on. I don't know if it's a cliffhanger. It it doesn't really have an ending, right? It's just kind of a question mark. It's a big question mark. Jason crashes through the window with his crazy mountain man face and hair and beard. Uh, and then the next thing you know, Paul is missing. Ginny is being carted away. And the beginning of part three kind of shows you like that that doesn't necessarily happen. That what really happened is... Jason got up from the cabin floor after Ginny chopped him with a machete, and he obviously went to get a haircut immediately. Yes, yes. Um, because then he is bald and clean shaven. Yeah, shaven, haircut, two bits. In part three. Um, but the point of all of me saying all of this is that Friday the 13th, therefore, because of the flashback, features not only Chris Higgins, but it also features Ginny Field. Now, the two of them combined, the very power of the two greatest final girls combined in one movie, in case you didn't know, that means that in existence there are three perfect films. Suspiria 2018, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, (laughs) and Friday the 13th Part (laughs) 3. 
3D. <laughs> 3D. <laughs> I absolutely am following you in all of this, 100%. I mean, Chris Higgins is amazing. And Chris Higgins I, is the greatest. I like, I hate the fact that she is so unloved in the horror community and in the Friday the 13th fandom, because I'm like, why doesn't anybody like her? And here's why. It's because she doesn't want to have sex with Rick. Oh, yeah. Right? And I think, therefore, she's a bitch. Yeah, well, I think I think people see her as the crazy bitch. They see her as the crazy Because she kind of goes nuts at the end of the movie, but also there's questions about her backstory and if it's real. Right. And then she also has the audacity not only to be crazy, but to not fuck Rick. Mm-hmm. How dare she? How dare she? But you know what? She's a fucking boss. Yeah, you know what I see with those choices? I see a woman of herself. She's a woman of herself. She is at, she has gone back to Higgins Haven, which first of all, Higgins Haven. <laughs> Dude, in that van that says Chris in cursive oh my... with hearts going up off, she is a master at her own branding. She has a personalized van that has carpeting on the inside. According to the stickers on it, she loves skiing. <laughs> <laughs> she also loves classic rock. There's a Led Zeppelin sticker. There's a Grateful Dead t-shirt inside. Okay. Why doesn't that alone make her the greatest? She's so fucking cool. She's so fucking cool. You should be so lucky that she turns down sex with you, okay? Exactly. All of us should be so lucky. <laughs> I love Chris Higgins. She's amazing. She fights back like you would not believe. And if you go by, if you look at the series as a whole, um, it's really Chris and Alice from part one uh, that are the only two really solo final girls in the fucking series. Everybody else has some kind of a completely on their own. That make it completely on their own. Yeah. 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 There's only the one. Um. Oh, I can't remember his name that pops out at the end of part three, and you're like, oh, he's alive still. And then he gets his Ollie. Yeah. Ollie. He... Yeah. Like he shows, but otherwise, there's no. He well, he pops up and goes, "Hey!" And then he immediately <laughs> is chopped into a hundred. Yeah. Places. But so. everyone is completely dead at that point, and she's mm-hmm. just running around, going through literally her. Um, American Ninja Warrior gauntlet against Jason. (laughs) Yeah. Motherfucker, she's so cool. She's so cool. She fights back so hard. And, like, yeah, she flips out at the end, the very end of the movie. But she basically keeps her wits about her. But even that, I mean, we'll get to it. But even that, I think, also ties back to the first two films and the ending of those. Because there's, well. Well, yeah, there's the part that makes no sense. But... Her The reason why she flips out ties into her backstory and makes it clear that her backstory is, like, actually happened. Yeah. So I don't know why people exactly. don't have her backstory. Why, yeah. why do you people... What is wrong with you? Why when don't you believe you women? Believe women? Have you learned nothing since Me Too? No, you haven't. You believe women. shit on Chris Higgins? Shit on Chris Higgins. So she's I like, she's... I saw the guy with the gnarly face. No one else had seen the guy with the gnarly face until he just had a bag on his head to everyone else. Mm-hmm. So she knew anyway, anyway, she knew. she knew. Did you, uh, I will say, Stacy, there was a part of me 
as this film began. I mean, oh god, that that like hot disco take. <laughs> that <laughs> the soundtrack. <laughs> that title sequence, I don't know what it is. I mean, first of all, it's a bop, right? Like Oh, it's so it's good. It's a bop. But it's like it and you see the ending of part 2, so you're all jazzed cuz you've already seen part 2 and you know it fucking rules. And then that title sequence comes on with the smoky blue background and the red letters popping out in three dimensions coming right for your eyeballs. Three dimensions. Count them. One, two, three. One, two, three. The disco remix kicks in and there is even still this title sequence. I am a fucking slasher crazy teenager again. There's something about the title sequence of this that takes me back in such a real way to those feelings of being excited for this dumb movie that I'm about to watch and it getting ready for some slasher shit. Reels you right in instantaneously. Yeah. It's uh, stupid. It's exciting. <laughs> it feels like being at the at, at the movies watching this. I yeah, like it. at the you're, you could be at the drive in. Yeah. You could be in some rowdy theater with everyone's got their, their red and blues on. Yeah. <laughs> But I will say there was a little teeny part of me that as this was all happening to me and I was I was just so excited. There was a, a conflicted sliding doors Gwyneth Paltrow part of me. Oh. That was like had a flashback to our I don't know, what was what was that we did? Our live show with Adrian King and Amy Steele. Yeah, oh no big whoop. Just some other angels we got to hang out with. And and I just kept having a flashback to Amy Steele talking about the script for part three that she got. I know. And what also could have been. And if I could have both movies exist alongside themselves. Yes. That is, I mean. That part, I mean, that's the that's the only knock against this movie is that we could have had a different. That's the Hillary Clinton is president universe. Yes. Friday the 13th part three. Where we don't actually have Suspiria, but we do, or it's directed by David Gordon Green, but we right. do have Friday the 13th part three With starring Amy Steele. Steel. Yeah, because that was a totally different movie. It's not as if it's the same thing that we have now, but just it would have been Ginny. Instead of Chris, like it was a totally different thing where Ginny was, she told us that Ginny had taken like Kung Fu lessons. Yeah, she's like a judo master. (laughs) Yeah. And Stu, the nerd who also survives part two, he made an appearance in part three. Like it would have been amazing. Yeah. People start getting killed and the cops come to the, to, to Ginny and they think, they think Jason's back. He's after you. Yeah. Her roommate gets killed. She still has her car. She's yeah. <laughs> yeah. everything's the same. She's just it's years later. She's at college and she's a judo master. <laughs> I mean, give me that. So, but I do love that this is so different from that. that yes, that it leaves that Amy Steele story as like a holy grail. It's like a London after midnight. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. we're never gonna actually see this movie. But in an alternate universe where the sequels maybe went a different way, you know, in this movie they establish that Ginny's in the hospital recovering. Right. So she could still go to college and become that judo master. She in a, could. In she a could. concurrent timeline. There's no, well, there's no reason she couldn't do it right now either. They could have a new Friday the 13th and bring her back. There's nothing, it doesn't have to be the year after. It can be 30 years after. She's graduating from Zoom college. <laughs> exactly. And Jason, she's on lockdown and Jason comes to her home. She learned Kung Fu on Instagram live. <laughs> 
<laughs> I would totally watch Amy Steele just uh, fight Jason in her house <laughs> during oh. the lockdown. <laughs> yeah. Please. I'd, if it was 10 hours, I'd be there watching the whole thing. Okay, we're, we're calling Amy after this. We're going to tell her we found $50. Yeah, we need to do another fundraiser. I know. After, yeah, after this a, one is over. We need a $50 fundraiser <laughs> for a parallel project. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I mean. as awesome as Ginny is and as we as we could imagine she could, Judo Master version of her could be, we still we get Chris and this who's a motherfucker and fighter and she's a warrior (laughs) she's a survivor like she's one of the very she's one of the few final girls also that has a backstory with the villain like some of them do but it's not the same way it's like something like prom night you know where they all gather together and and they'll do a prank on somebody and that person flips out and then everybody grows up and the person who flipped out kills all of them yes chris had has a backstory and interactions with the villain just on her own in her own personal life and it makes jason a part of the real world Mm -hmm. kind of thing which is what i love about two and three is that jason is a very real dude versus the Kane Hodder super zombie. Zombie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jason. Yeah, the in, second in one Jason, he's terrifying. Yeah, Jason in two and three is the fucking weirdo in the woods that everybody's afraid of. Yeah. Yeah, he's, and, it's like original wrong turn. But yeah. he's just has horrible skin. Skin disease. Skin disease. <laughs> <laughs> but I love this Jason, even though I don't understand the hair. I have hair problems it's weird maybe he walked by a really hot candle (laughs) burned his hair off yeah i don't think he's careful a really hot candle (laughs) have you ever walked by a really hot candle and accidentally (laughs) singed off all of your hair stacy um in college (laughs) see (laughs) <laughs> it could, it's time right. and a it place for everything it could happen but i love i kind of love that they just don't really explain it no i get. i guess we're supposed to think then maybe that that jason from part two was a dream there's so many dreams in friday the 13th dreams within dreams within endings within within schizoid revelations you'd think this was a, a, a series from christopher nolan <laughs> you don't know what's real what's just a spinning top i don't know <laughs> In his Friday Thirteenth, though, Chris just gets in the van and it just explodes, and she's it dead. just explodes. All the women are bitches. Yeah, and then they just says, Michael Caine goes, "It's true, she's a bitch." And yeah. then it's over. <laughs> yeah, everyone, all the fanboys come everywhere. <laughs> Who's a master director? <laughs> in seventy millimeter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> women are bitches, <laughs> and now they're exploding. Yeah. There is a bitch in this movie, and that is Edna at the beginning at the weird, like, convenience store. And you know that Edna's a bitch because her hair is in rollers, right? That's the classic signifier. Universal sign. (laughs) The aliens in contact send a message with rollers in it. Oh, she was a bitch. Oh, oh, she's a bitch. (laughs) That's how you know. She's a bitch. To her credit, though, her husband is gross. Harold is disgusting and the worst. And my heart goes out to Edna. 
I love his love of animals. Okay, him and that little bun bun. Yeah. Little bun bun is the light in my life of, <laughs> yeah. of the intro to this film. Yeah. Best bunny acting I've ever Best seen. Best bunny acting, yeah. Very patient bunny. Maybe next uh, to the witch. Really good yeah. bunny acting. But Edna has a point if you're going to be selling groceries, which I realize that part of my feelings comes from the fact that I just haven't been to the grocery store since, like, February. Yeah. And I just, I love going to the grocery store, <laughs> as everybody does. I do. We get it. You love parks. You love the post office. <laughs> you love the grocery store. We get it. She's a simple woman. <laughs> I do legitimately love going to the grocery store. <laughs> Yeah, so do the nuns, Stacey. I, well, you look around and you think to yourself, how lucky and privileged am I to have all of this food at my fingertips, first of all. You're just crying in awe on uh, produce aisle. Kind of. We have, sometimes I get overwhelmed by, let's say, the amount of bread choices. Do we need so many breads? Absolutely not. I, why do I, I spend 15 minutes looking What's at all the breads? What's with all the breads? <laughs> What's with all the breads? Do we need so many breads? We don't. And yet, look how many we have. It's a miracle. Also, I do enjoy looking at some of the packages. <laughs> well, some of the packages are clearly still the same that they've been since, like, the 1950s. And I enjoy it from an artistic point of view. I like looking at the graphic well, you design. You take your sketch pad and you <laughs> kind of sketch the packaging of bread you're scared No, I take the sketch pad of my eyes. <laughs> but, hot tip, if you go look at, say, the flower section... The baking goods, the baking ingredients, a uh -huh. lot of those packages uh -huh. are, haven't changed since like the 50s. And as a mid-century aficionado. Mid-century maven. I'm a mid-century maven, so whatever. So it I is like satisfying, that's true. I, I agree. <laughs> I'm going to cut all this out. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> I'm just imagining... <laughs> Imagining all the radio knobs turning to off. I'm imagining you sitting in a daybed with a loaf of bread or flour, <laughs> mid-century flour packaging, and you have a, there's a hand mirror, right? And What am I doing with, the, what am I looking at with the hand mirror? What are you implying? Well, there's a draw, you're drawing the reflection of it through the hand oh, mirror. Oh, oh, I get it. It's okay. a portrait of a lady, of a, of a flower package on fire. There you go. Portrait of a lady on flour. I like it. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> That's me. It took, I'll workshop it. But I, <laughs> I'm a fan. Oh, so back to my point. Oh, right. <laughs> from 20 minutes ago. <laughs> is that maybe it's that I haven't been able to fulfill my grocery store fantasies in months. But man, that little store that Harold and Edna have, all that produce looked really good. Yeah, and they also <laughs> had the box of the, 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 the Hostess Donuts. Yeah, they had all that. And Edna, my other point is that Edna had a point, which is maybe you shouldn't have a rabbit running around on the vegetables, pooping and eating. Uh, between that fucking bun bun, which is cute and perfect, and Harold, they couldn't poop or eat more in that establishment. It, yeah. 
So she might have rollers, but maybe there's a reason why she's a bitch, okay? Also, I can't help but feel like the role of Edna was designed to be played by, like, a rural, middle-aged woman. Absolutely. Like, her name is Edna. She's got rollers in her hair. She's a bitch. And then you look at her face she's and she's 22? like... She's 22? She's 22, yeah. <laughs> so, like, that's one thing I also love about this movie is, like, even Chris's friend group, like... She, what the fuck? She accommodates all ages. Yeah. <laughs> and some characters in this film, like, everyone... You assume the friends are, like, early 20s. Yeah. Late teens. <laughs> Meanwhile... Yeah. Some of them are 50, some of them are 80, some of them are it 12. Feels, it honestly feels less like a, an actual friend group and more like Chris works at some kind of community center. Yes. This is, this is like a weekend trip for some yes. of her, her clientele, shall we She's say. getting community service hours or volunteer yeah. hours. And yeah. she's going to get a medal at the end of this. Yeah, because we have we have Debbie and Andy who are a couple and who are Chris's age. Debbie and Chris are very close. I love their friendship in this. Yes, I do too. Shelly is Andy's roommate. They establish that. Mm-hmm. They establish that Vera is probably friends with Debbie and Chris. Mm-hmm. However, then <laughs> we have Chuck and Chili. <laughs> A.K.A. the Cheech and Chong of this film. A.K.A. the Cheech and Chong, the total stoners. Their presence is never explained. (laughs) At all. At all. No one says, like, our friends. Like, they're just there, constantly (laughs) smoking weed. Chuck is, like, a dismissed adjunct. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Chili's a substitute teacher from somewhere. Yeah. They're, like... Clearly 10 years older than everybody else, at least. At least. And they're just there. And no one else, like, other people partake in the weed smoking, but Chuck and Chili are like, like, I love the shot of them passed out on the couch. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> like, it's the night that everybody's supposed to be having fun. Oh, this is like the typical slasher movie party sex night or whatever. And just the camera immediately cuts to Chuck and Chili on the couch asleep with their mouths open. <laughs> It's genuinely funny to me. And you know but, that they're stoners because they can't, they hold big bags of weed while they also smoke joints. <laughs> yeah. And Chuck has a headband. Yes. And, yes. And, and Chili has her necklace that's a, a cowboy boot. <laughs> it's so I, cool. I love them so much. It's so cool. This movie's so cool. It's right on, this is the last movie where, I know people love part four. I don't love part four like everybody else Me does. Me neither. This is the last group of quote unquote teens that I feel any kind of um, uh, attachment to, I guess. In the Friday series? Yeah. Yeah. I like the ki- I like some of the kids in part seven, but yeah. I like some of them here and there and in all of them probably, but. Yeah, that's true. As a group, this group doesn't feel as much like, I don't know. Yeah, they do. Well, they're a weird group. And that's saying a lot because some of these teens are 50. <laughs> yeah. And dismissed it's, adjuncts. It's, so. just, it's just so weird. They go to pick up Vera. First of all, her name is Vera Sanchez. She's and so you should cool. all make a note of that. We okay. get some Latinx representation. Some Latinx representation. Friday the 13th also, for like the only time, touches on a little racism. 
Mm-hmm. When they go to the store, okay, Vera and Shelly go to the store to get some stuff. And Vera goes up to the counter to pay, and she's looking for her money. And the, the, the shop girl, who is the light of my life... <laughs> of course. <laughs> ...says... We don't accept no food stamps. I would just like the record to reflect that you and Jason, whenever this movie comes up, the first thing said (laughs) from either of you. (laughs) Well, with you, it's either Chris Higgins, I love her, and then... Yeah. (laughs) And then we don't accept food stamps. I love her. (laughs) I love the shopkeeper. (laughs) Well, to me, it's because clearly she's not an actress. She probably actually works at whatever store they filmed in. This is this is an important clarification. It's especially as we do a social justice fundraiser. It's not the discrimination that we love. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's this. It's this line reading. It's this character. It's this. It's the line reading. It's the the f- hair that is feathered like oh. you have never seen feathered before. It's the pink tank top with a picture of a cartoon pig on it. It's the whole package, mm-hmm. except for the discrimination part. Here's my question. There needs to be a line in here, I think, where Vera says, I, as she's looking for her wallet, she needs to say, like, oh, I left my wallet at home. Because she's looking for it in all her pockets. The shopkeeper says, we don't accept no food stamps. <laughs> Hello, racist. And then Vera immediately turns to Shelley and asks for his wallet. So without Vera saying, I left my wallet or whatever, some people may interpret that as Vera was actually going to try to pay with food stamps. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some dum-dums who don't see the... So dum-dums who can't add two and two. Yes. I'm just saying. And I'm just... it would also be very fitting with the franchise because wallets are a common theme. Wallets are a theme. Pooping is a theme. <laughs> They this... go to mundane, re- very real places in Friday the 13th. Yeah. Who hasn't forgotten their wallet? Who hasn't pooped? You know who hasn't pooped was that man. If you go to the Mutter Museum in Philadelphia, when the plague is over, you can go to the Mutter Museum in Philadelphia, which is a museum of medical curiosities, and they have a man's colon there. Oh, God. Because he didn't poop for, like, three years or something like that, and they took his colon out, and it's on display. I've been there. I saw it. Giant super colon. Giant super colon. Like, whatever giant super colon, whatever image that conjures in your mind, it's bigger than that. Well, our, our fundraiser just went down $50. <laughs> this just in from the thermometer. We actually have lost money. <laughs> We owe money now. Yeah, we are in the red, everyone. <laughs> bing, bing, bing. <laughs> Add that to the thermometer. Look, I'm just letting the people know. It's important. It's just important facts and ephemera to um to someone, maybe. To, well, I think I think we're talking to her. <laughs> Look, I was on my best behavior last week. You really were. Before that, we had taken a few weeks off. So right now, I can't be held accountable for whatever's coming out of my mouth. It's like you've been holding it for three years. And now (laughs) you just got to... Let it 
Let it go. Let it go. I look. I apologize. Okay. Fine. No one cares about me going to the grocery store. Fine. No one cares about the world's largest colon. <laughs> I care. But no, I just okay. laugh at it. <clears throat> it's it's perfectly it joy fine. to my life. It's perfectly fine. Anyway, I love Vera Sanchez. She's she, a boss. She is a root for me. Oh okay. yeah. All the gays out there know what a root is. Straight people, you don't have roots because, you know, just everything is a root for you. <laughs> the root is like, your root is like, you know, what's a what's a person that you saw who made you feel feelings, right? Yes. Yeah. Vera's a root for me, I'll tell you, right here on the air. It's very I love exciting. this. Yeah. I also love, um, I love just that sequence... It doesn't feel tokenizing either, but I I love when they get to Vera's house and you meet her mom, who's, like, Spanish-speaking, and then you just hear, like, them arguing in Spanish in the house, and then Vera comes down and she's like, hey, guys, how's it going? <laughs> yeah. It's just, like, it has her little domestic drama with her mom and comes out, and she's like, oh, no, we weren't fighting. Everything's fine. <laughs> she's so kind cool. of, she's one of the few characters in the early films that, like, I mean, I know in part four there's the Jarvis family. Part seven, Tina has her mother, but it's like you rarely get to see, like, in the Friday series, familial relationships. Everybody kind of exists in a vacuum. They don't have homes to go back to. They don't have jobs or an actual school. There's like, Ginny went to school. Yes. You know, and so just, you know, at the end of this, like, someone has to tell Vera's mom that her daughter's dead. Oh, I didn't even think about that part. That's now I'm sad. I don't enjoy yeah. this movie as much as I thought. Right? <laughs> yeah, we never like deal with that kind of aftermath well, of a movie. But I mean, but just that little glimpse into her domestic life, and that it also is a rare, honestly, it's a rare sequence to have. Like, even if it's off camera, but that there's like Spanish speaking happening in the film. Yes. And also pretty early in a franchise sequel. Like, I also feel like I mean, this film begins to open up representation too. Absolutely. Um, for the franchise. Which, yeah. I mean, I guess... Had there been had there been char- or like characters that weren't white in the no. first two? Mm-mm. There was, like, disabled and queer representation, but not... Well, and the queer yeah. was just off-camera representation. Or queer was off-camera, yeah. Not, no, not, there's not, no... not explicitly stated. Yeah. So this one we have... Vera. And it's like, it's marked, like, uh, I think Chris says, like, what did she say? And Debbie says, I don't know, I don't speak Spanish. Yeah. Yeah, and it th- that's the other th- nice thing, is it's Spanish-speaking comes into it and is featured, but it isn't a joke. Right. They don't make fun of it. surprising. There's no, like, like before, earlier, like, you would have gotten, like, a, like, a, like, a character speaking, like, Spanglish and becomes a joke or something. Yes. Um, that doesn't happen. The joke is that Vera's like, oh, everything's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just just typical mom stuff, yeah. you know. It, yeah, it's a universal jo- it's something relatable and it has the butt of the joke is not her language. Yeah, her language and heritage are never made fun of at all. I love it. And when we get to that store, we get some more characters and some more representation too. Yeah, we do. Um maybe slightly more uh negative <laughs> coded um but i also think let me tell you fox man. is a badass man fox is so cool she's so fucking cool i mean i think but what it, what i love the three bikers are loco 
the white yeah. dude, Ali the black dude, and Fox the black woman. Yeah. And yeah, they're like they're bikers at the beginning and picking fights and like making fun of Shelly and all this stuff, right? And yeah, they're gonna go burn down the barn at Higgins Haven, which is <laughs> fucking cool. hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> like that's hardcore. But then also, like, Fox gets her time in the barn alone where she's just like so entertained by like an old rusty canteen yeah a rope (laughs) is exciting and it's like that affords her a kind of interesting unexpected personality yeah we get to see more of her life than her just being a bully with with vera's wallet or shelly's wallet like it's and she doesn't want to burn down the barn she thinks it's too much and that's why she goes in there off by herself yeah um and then at the end, like you said, when Ali comes back, he gets to be something of a hero. Yeah, he's trying to He help. doesn't have to come back. He could have, like, gotten up and left, you know? Mm-hmm. But he doesn't. Mm-hmm. So I think it's 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 unexpected. Yeah, and it's nice that actually of the three bikers, we actually get more time and focus afforded to Ali and to Fox than we do with Loco. Yes. And, and they're, like, obviously they're the two black characters. Um, right. And it's and also Fox. I get the sense, um, just in visual coding of how I read her. I also get the sense that Fox is that rare Black Indigenous representation, because um, mm. she also she's got the turquoise ring. She has she's decked out with some eagle imagery, um, oh. and and she's really fucking cool, which I think helps my argument. Right, um, duh. I just love her. <laughs> I love this movie. Rick is the worst. Rick is the worst. The worst. He, all, like, he also, he's kind of a Herman Munster looking motherfucker. <laughs> all he does is complain to Chris that she's not like immediately having sex with him for hours a day. From the moment they see each other. Like that's literally, he's like, there's only so long I can wait. Like through the whole movie, that's all he does. It's all he does. Uh, I don't like him. Mm-mm. I'm always glad when he gets his eyeball popped out. <gasps> oh! <laughs> <laughs> you know I have eye issues and this movie has several eye it has a lot of eye between action. between between Stacy Ponder as the harbinger um <laughs> <laughs> you know that's the part I want to play I know it's the part you want to play <laughs> with that what like go eye what the fuck is that yeah thing? in the beginning yeah. we have uh Rick's eye getting popped out we have um Vera gets a spear through the eye. Yeah, the spear through the eye. Oh, God, there's so many eye bits. And it's yeah. funny because there are there are bits of, um, uh, like, really quick instances of deaths or off-screen deaths. Because this yes. one has a pretty high body count. Um, mm-hmm. But then when we get those really gnarly on-screen deaths, they some of them are really, they do it. <laughs> Yeah, they do it right for that three. Oh, but Andy's Andy's, Andy's. Where he's he's walking on his hands, and then he gets the machete right through the crotch. Like, did that? Ju- did he just like? Did it just come out on set that he had a talent at walking on his hands? I wonder, or did they put out a casting call for someone who walks on his hands? Yeah, they're like, okay, okay, son, uh, we're gonna have to have you take off your shirt and walk on your hands. <laughs> like, right? What, yeah. what? What did the casting that look like? Yeah so many questions but i love that all the deaths while they're gnarly they're they're not yet crazy 
You yeah. know what I mean? Like we're still in the realm of Jason being an actual human being, urban legend kind of thing. What are some of the more wackadoodle deaths? I'm trying to think suddenly. Well, I mean, even like the famous sleeping bag from part seven that everybody rightly loves. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. Like that's crazy. Or Julius getting his head punched off and parted. <laughs> <laughs> Like, you know I fucking love that shit, but. <laughs> but, you know. Here it's like people are still just kind of getting stabbed. So. Yeah, yeah, but oh, but getting chopped in half right down oh. the middle, fr- starting, oh, at your, starting at your, starting at ballpoint. Yeah. Like, yeah. just right down the taint. That's just... It's- it's really well done. That's it's troubling. Really, it's excruciating. That's troubling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love this movie. I love this. So Chris's backstory. Yes. That she tells Rick. Um, she, you know, and her family were at Higgins Haven <laughs> two years prior. She had been out with Rick and came home late and got into a big fight with her parents. And her mother slapped her. Must have been a big fight. It was a big fight. It made her. It made Chris sigh a lot as she told this story. She <laughs> she was reliving that slap. Yeah. So Chris left the house. She decided she would go. You know, leave, and her parents would get worried because she was missing. That kind of thing. So she went into the woods, and she fell asleep as you do. <laughs> She falls asleep a lot, actually. In, in horror movies, people do that all the time. Like, oh, I've been running for hours. Let me just take a... <laughs> Immediately falling asleep while you're in danger, you know? Leaning against a tree. Yeah. So she woke up and there was a man there. The man was Jason. If she, I mean, there's no reason not to believe her. She doesn't mention Jason by name. She, she doesn't know exactly who he was, even. She doesn't know exactly who he was. I mean, at the beginning of this film, they're finding the bodies from part two. And so the only thing that people knew was that Pamela Voorhees, a few years prior, had killed a bunch of people. Yes. Yeah, this at, is at, unfolding. Like, this is like Halloween 2. Like, yeah, yeah. So at this point, Chris isn't like, and then Jason came after me. She's like, I woke up and there was a man and he attacked me. Mm-hmm. Um, she fights him off. Uh, he had a knife. She gets the knife away from him, but then he manages to tackle her and drag her off, and then she unfortunately blacks out. And when she woke up, she was at home in her own bed. Yeah. And this has haunted her for years. Um, and she, like, is back at Higgins Haven to kind of try to deal with it and overcome her trauma. Mm-hmm. And so no one knows. Her parents refuse to talk about it, which is really shitty. Like, classic horror movie parents. Like, was it Carrie's in Carrie, was it? Where it's like, we're just not going to talk about your trauma. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You're fine. Yeah. Like, you go through this thing and your parents just don't even want to hear about it. So Chris has been dealing with this on her own. Um, and at the end, when she's fighting Jason and his mask comes off... She immediately recognizes him as that man in the woods. Mm-hmm. But there's that time period where between where she blacked out and when she woke up that no one knows what happened. Yeah. And, and I think I think that's part why partly another reason besides misogyny and like, oh, why is she just crazy bitch? I think that's part of it is that she just wakes up in her bed. 
So right. people cast like, well, is is a dream or she's crazy? Or also, like, if she's a rape survivor, maybe she has blocked things out and hasn't gotten yeah. to a place where they're emerging again and she can deal with them. Yeah. Yeah. Or whatever, even if it wasn't rape, whatever traumas she suffered, like, the mind does, like, block things out and maybe she just can't access it yet. Yeah, it definitely, to me, it definitely comes in as, like, a... Um a really early depiction in in the final girl lineage really of of this of the trauma response Mm -hmm. and of this sort of ptsd like you said her going back to get over and like to work through these issues Mm -hmm. and notice she's she's totally on top of things fighting jason until the mask comes off and it's until the mask comes immediately re-triggered like this man has killed every single person she went to all of her friends Mm-hmm. Every single person she knows that is on this trip with her is dead. She pulls a knife out of Debbie's back. Yeah, out of her best friend's back. And uses it to, like, start slashing at him and stabs him with it. Yeah. And then when the mask comes off, she immediately reacts and says, no, it's you. And from that point on, she still fights back. I mean, even so, but, like, she's kind of frozen with fear at that point, And that's when Ali pops up. Mm-hmm. And at that point, again, she snaps back into it. And ends up fucking putting a noose around his neck and dropping him off the thing. Can we look? Okay, so she she grabs the knife out of Debbie's back. She slashes at him like fucking, like, like Norman Bates' mother going after Arbogast. Just slashing the <laughs> motherfucker. Stabs him. She, she dumps a bookcase full of books on him. She jumps through windows. She throws a fucking chair out a window and then throws herself out a window. Uh, she hits him in the face with a piece of wood. Like, she grabs a log of wood, hides on, on the side of the door. He opens it, and she, like, Benny Hills him. She, she hangs from a beam in the barn and drops down onto him. Yeah. She nearly runs him over. She hits him with a shovel. She fucking hangs him. Then she puts a, she plants an axe in the motherfucker's face. Plants an axe in a head, ties a rope around his neck, and pushes him out of the barn loft door, hanging him. Like, <laughs> she's absolutely right. He should not be alive. <laughs> She does more than any other final girl, like, in slasher movies. Like, yes, you have Nancy Thompson, who is proactive. Yes, you have Sidney Prescott, who is fucking amazing. You have all these other amazing survivors. Chris Higgins fights back more. He just won't stay down. And she just, uh, like, it's not even like she's just reacting. Like you said, she hides and waits for him to walk by, and then she conks him. Yeah. Yeah, she's playing. She's queuing up that Benny Hill music for the for the hit. Mm-hmm. She's she's laying down banana peels, waiting. <laughs> exactly. She honestly like and and really look like um, I mean Laurie Strode has has just survived at this point. Yeah. Uh, Alice just survived. I mean, she chops off Miss Voorhees' head, but you know, um, Jenny Jenny fights and she she uses her her psychology skills. Um, but in terms of that survival, fighting for your life, like, action heroine final girl. Yeah. I think she's, is Chris, like, Chris is one of the first. Yeah. Because Nancy was, I mean, Elm Street was, what, 84? 85? Yeah, 84. That came later. This is before that. And then, like, Sally Hardesty in Texas Chainsaw is just running on fucking fumes. She's on, yeah, 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 yeah. She's amazing what she endures and the lengths she goes to to survive, but she's not 
there. Yeah. She doesn't, like, she doesn't have the clarity to, like, mm-hmm. actually fight back. She is just scrambling to get away and survive. Ultimately, Sally informs what happens to Chris in the end of this film. But, yes. But otherwise, yeah. yeah, it was, it was what, Nancy came, then we had Sid, like, I mean, 12 yeah. years later. Um, mm-hmm. And then Aaron in Your Next is, I think, since Chris, Aaron in Your Next is the closest thing we've got to someone that is, like, fighting on that level. Yeah. Like. Repeatedly. Yeah. Con- like, like, she just is. She's amazing. And the fact that she's, like, a trauma survivor and here to yeah. fix her own shit. When her parents wouldn't help her, she takes it upon herself to help herself. Yeah. Chris Higgins is amazing. And I'm sorry she doesn't have sex with Rick, okay? Like, if that's your problem. I've seen comments from people where that literally is their problem with her. Well, that's all the that's all the woman in the movie is there for, Stacey. So you can see her boobs. Right. Yeah. So. I'm glad she doesn't uh, have sex with Rick. Also, she that's just not a good decision because it would gum up all that carpet inside the van. Uh, oh. <laughs> I don't know. I'm actually speechless. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know. No, it's uh, scientifically accurate. There I just don't know how to respond. There was a lot of carpet in that van. True. What's how Rick much... think? Rick thinks he's just gonna. He's how just... much gumming up is there gonna well, be? Well, I don't just... know. People sweat, and then there's also other things that happen. I see. Wow. It's wall to wall carpet in there. She's got to look out for the... her investments. <laughs> Speaking of the thermometer going, <laughs> yeah, we we let's look at where we're at on the thermometer. We yeah, are, <laughs> yeah, all the website has disappeared altogether. We are, we are actually mm-hmm. we have inverse matched our goal. We are in the red of thousand dollars. Um, yeah, oh. I love Chris Higgins, and I oh, want Chris her Higgins. to get the respect that she deserves. And one way that she has been given respect is our pal Merle at Pinsploitation. Fuck yes, has made an incredible Chris Higgins pin. Did you and get yours? I... I got mine. Fuck yeah, I got it. I oh, ordered yeah. that shit right away. So anyway, bye. You slap me. <laughs> Fuck you, Anthony. <laughs> then you put a noose over my head and throw me out the barn. <laughs> How dare you? Yeah. Merle has amazing pins. Yes. These people, uh, there's so many pins out there and, you know, <laughs> only so many dollars in my wallet. And you got to get that Chris Higgins pin. I'm, duh. She has a great Jenny Ginny pin too. Ginny pin is also great. Yeah, uh, at Pinsploitation, get get mm-hmm. get those pins. Get that. Wear your Chris Higgins love because listen, Chris Higgins is where it is at. She really is. She really is, and it's time that people understood that this movie is eighty three years old. Wow. Doesn't seem like it, but no, it is. Yeah, eighty three. It feels like only eighty three years ago. Yeah, <laughs> she is it. She, uh, she's. I mean, she's got Higgins Haven. She's got that van with her name on it. She has a. She does not see age. She loves skiing. She loves skiing. She loves rock music. She's, she's friends with everybody. I think you know you judge people by the friends that they have and the Debbie Chris relationship. They're both good people. That's yes. a good friendship, and you don't yes. get actual friendships and slashers, and I love them. Especially between women. Mm-hmm. It's real, real nice. Yeah. Chuck and Chili, we still don't know how they're friends with Chris. 
<laughs> have no idea. Did they sneak into the van right before they noticed that the van was quote unquote on fire because of their bongs? <laughs> Potentially. How I'm so stupid! I love. Oh my god! Fucking chilly when. <laughs> my favorite part of the movie, next to any sequence with Chris, is chilly discovering everyone dead <laughs> and yeah. her shuffling through the house just be like oh no oh, oh god no, god and she's oh, literally god. walking she walks up the spiral staircase she sees jason oh no she walks back down the spiral staircase <laughs> continues to walk away from him I don't know if she's just that high. <laughs> like I love that she just <laughs> yeah. she walks, she she frets her shoulders a little and she or shrugs her shoulders a little and she just <laughs> Yeah. But she's taken that spiral staircase very carefully. She right? is. Yeah. Well, it's, she's seen the haunting. It's some tr- it's some Trump going down the ramp shit. Like <laughs> she doesn't want to trip. Even though she's about to get killed. Yeah, and I just love how many instances of, like, oh, God, oh, God. Oh, God. (laughs) And every time she ends a sentence with man, it just makes me laugh. It was just man, uh, man. You know, Shelly comes in and she thinks he's playing another joke. and She's like, knock it off, man. (laughs) I love it. Honestly, Chris Higgins is the icon that we all aspire to be. Chili is who I really am. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah, the way it is. Sure. I got my cowboy boot necklace that is the same color as my shirt, so it blends in. Love her. Oh. I love, I, I just love this fucking movie so much. I love this movie. I love, I, it's still, like, Jason still creeps me out here and there. I'm going to say it. Oh, for sure. Um, Getting that mask, couldn't. It couldn't be more iconic. Why is there a... Oh, I guess Shelly has the hockey mask. Yeah, he brought his, his little box of treasures. His whole world, Anthony. His he whole world. Because he needed a... He had to be more... He, he, he had to be annoying because that, then he was somebody. Yeah. <laughs> Poor yeah. little boy who cried wolf. Yeah. Well, uh, you know. You feel bad for him. Also, he's a jerk. He sucks. He's. I mean, he's like kind of the Franklin of this movie. <laughs> exactly. Uh, That's who my mind went to. Yeah. He's like, I feel, on the one hand, I do feel bad for you. On the other hand, God, you're an asshole. Yeah. But Vera, oh my God, does she go out of her way to fucking help out his, or try and help out his self-esteem? She really does. To the and point that she apologizes she... for what he's doing to her. <laughs> yeah. And then he still calls her a bitch because she won't sleep with him. Yeah my god yeah ay ay it's a whole thing oh well it's a whole thing but uh i i think that's a good way to kick off the three inning let me tell you stacy and and we have had uh, i told you we were a thousand dollars in the red right uh-huh. um but i think i think just the love for for this film just now has brought this for the live just in as we record this Stacy Ponder, day one of this fundraiser, we are at uh, $230 raised. Oh my god! Yeah! It's literally, I just watched it jump up as we, as I said that. That's amazing. Yeah. Thank you, everybody. Thank you who, for donating. Yeah, thank you for donating. And, and uh, like we said, you don't have to donate to listen. No. You don't have to listen to donate. Although, if you're not listening, you won't hear me say that, and so you're in 
Schrodinger's podcast. <laughs> Not again! <laughs> Not again! But, uh, yeah, you know, spread the word. Um, I don't know, we're going to be doing this an episode every day. Every day. What have we done? And, I mean, some of the gems that came out today, I mean, is it going to be a whole week of such scintillating revelations as I enjoy going to the grocery store? <laughs> Maybe you're going to have to tune in. So um, every day this week, Monday through Sunday, we're going to have episodes. A traditional calendar week. H- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck off. Listen, listen, uh, listen. You're lucky we even got this to organize. <laughs> so. I mean, this is a big deal for us just in terms of scheduling and yeah. making it actually happen. Yes. Um, so yeah, today, obviously, Friday the 13th, part three. Tomorrow, what are we talking about, Anthony? We are, we are getting our, our DJ Cenobite on with Hellraiser 3. Oh my god. I hate this, I remember hating this movie, and I could not be more excited right now. <laughs> this, uh, tell you people, this is an Anthony Hudson choice. I've never seen it. <laughs> It's one of the very few Hellraisers I've never seen. I've never seen Hellraiser 3, and I've never seen Hellraiser in Space, whatever that one is. Four. Um, don't tell me what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Those two I haven't seen. I've seen the video game one. I saw the one with Kari Wurr. Love her. Uh, yeah. I've seen a lot of... I saw the one with Chubby Pinhead. Chubby... Like the Chubby Pinhead that you ordered on Wish.com. Oh, you know man, what I mean? that's the like, found footage. Uh, like the one of yeah. the first ones where they were like, oh, we really need to get those rights back. <laughs> yeah, we can't get... Who is it? Doug Bradley? Yeah. Yeah, it's like you order Doug Bradley on Wish and this guy shows up. <laughs> right? Uh, he's the dollar store pinhead. Um, um, <laughs> I got sights to show you. A waste of good suffering. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'm kind of excited to see it because some of the things Anthony has told me about it, which we'll see if these things are actually even in the movie. I honestly don't know that they're in the movie. I just remember them being in the movie. <laughs> yeah, so we're gonna find out. That'll be tomorrow's excitement. Uh, so tune in. Tune in. Tune in. Hit up that mighty cause that is mightycause.com slash story slash 7VJ. No, 7VG1JG. <laughs> um, you can find that in our Instagram bio and our Twitter on our Facebook. Um, and you can also find that that you can access it directly through the National Black Justice Coalition. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Twitter, Gaylord's a D. Instagram and Facebook, Gaylords of Darkness. Yeah. That's it. Otherwise, uh, we'll we'll be back tomorrow. With more of the the three. Wow, for a haunted tome made out of skin, it's so loosely structured, yet informative. I know, right? Uh, Is it over? It's glowing and spinning on its own, so I'm gonna guess yes. Ah, Oh oh my god! god. Oh my my god! Tune in next time for more Gaylords of